You know, anybody that was part of, uh, that ever saw the, the movie Bruce Almighty, you saw that one part where he started to, uh, to, to pray and he's, he's crying out to God and says, he says, God, I, I need you to, to help me. Give me, give me a, a signal of some sort. And then all of a sudden there was a, a big sign on the side that said, caution ahead, caution ahead. And then he goes, God, I need, to, I need a sign from you. I need a sign. I need guidance. Give me a sign. And a, whole, and a truck full of signs goes right in front of him. And the signs that say, no, you know, one way or no, what are, there they are, dead end, do not enter, wrong way, and stop. And then even though he's seeing all these signs, he's going, God, give me a sign. Give me a sign. Give me a sign. And sometimes we're like that. We have a God who loves to talk to us. We have a God who is very good at speaking to us. But a lot of times we're not as good as... Uh, at listening, and even though God is speaking to us, maybe we're not catching everything He's He's throwing. And we're in a uh, a series on uh, listen up, which is talking about uh, hearing from God and being led by Him. And we saw that at the very start that Jesus says these words. He He says uh, that that my sheep know my voice, hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And He also said this. He also said that that one of the big uh, ministries of the Holy Spirit in our life is that he's going to lead us and guide us. So in other words, according to Jesus Christ, normal Christianity, normal life for you and I should be hearing the voice of God and being led by his spirit. And just think about how desperately we need that in our, in our life, in our marriage, in our career, in our families, in our schools, whatever it is, we need to be led by God. It's one of the most important things we could ever understand is how does God lead us? So that's the question. How are some of the ways that God does lead us? How can we hear from him? And we talked last week about the most important way and the, the way that we are guaranteed to hear from God, and that's through his word, the Bible. I mean, that's, if we open up the Bible, that is his word. That is his desire. That is his plan for our life. Sometimes it's definite commandments, and sometimes it's just principles that we follow and understand. But there's so many other ways that God talks, and one of those, we're going to talk, look at several, several of those today and, uh, and look at these for a, for a couple of weeks. And I'm kind of frustrated as I'm looking at this, as I'm doing this, because of this, I could preach on every single one of these that we're talking about for the whole sermon, and we're just going to go kind of flying by those, but I pray that you grab enough, and it's going to be really, really practical for your life. One of the ways that God speaks to us, one of the ways is, is through an audible voice, that there are people in the Bible, obviously, who heard an audible voice from God. There are people in church history that, that have said that they have heard from God, the audible voice of the Lord. There's people in this room, there's people that are watching me online right now that you have heard an audible voice from, from God. Uh, and and there's, I was talking to somebody this week, somebody on staff, one of the most no-nonsense, uh, trustworthy people that said, said this. She said, man, I heard from God, guarantee it. One time audibly, I heard his, his voice. And she said, it's weird because it wasn't like I was super spiritual at that time. In fact, I was a brand new Christian. And I guess God just needed to, knew he needed to talk to me and that's the only way he could get through to me. Uh, but I, I personally, I don't believe, I don't I think I've ever heard from God audibly, but I've heard a voice inside me that was just as clear as any voice that came from outside. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, there's one time when I was in third grade, I was on my, uh, on my back porch and I felt, I mean, I heard a voice inside me saying that you're going to be a pastor. Uh, there, was, there was a time also, I think I've shared this with you, there was a time my mom was, my mom was dying of cancer. 
And she was very, very sick. And one time I'm asleep and suddenly I wake up to, a, to, to my mom screaming, an inhuman scream. She had fallen in the bathroom and, and just the, the bones that were so filled with, with cancer were just, it was so painful. She, she just screamed out in pain. I remember running in and cradling my mom there. And I remember, I, have you ever screamed on the inside? It didn't come out of your mouth, but man, you're yelling on the inside. And that's what I did to God. I, was, I said, God, where are you with everything I had inside? And I heard a voice that wasn't in, I didn't hear an audible voice, but I heard a voice thunder inside of me that said, I'm right here and I love your mom more than you do. You know, we may not hear, if, if you're here today and you go, you know what, I've never heard the, an audible voice of God, but that's kind of what you've expecting and you're figuring that God, God doesn't speak to you because you've never heard an audible voice of God. I mean, you're not alone. Probably most people have never heard that audible voice. And sometimes just because you've never heard like a, a Morgan Freeman voice or a James Earl Jones voice, that doesn't mean God's not speaking to you. He's great at communication and he wants to speak to you in so many other ways. And we're going to take a look at that. And this is what I hope and pray. I hope that you are able after this to go, Wait a second, I've, you know, I, I've heard God in these ways, and, and so God is speaking to me. Another way is the still small voice of God or the gentle whisper of God. And that's something that happened. We, we find that out in uh, a, a guy by the name of Elijah who was in a cave. He was hiding from a lady named Jezebel. He had just had a big contest with, with Baal and the, and, and, and the true God and said, all right, let's see who, who the real God is. And, and they won, you know, the real God won the battle there. He, he answered by fire. And, and so, uh, so, but Jezebel, wicked Jezebel said, I'm going to take you out. And so he goes and hides in a cave, becomes a caveman, and God talks to him there. And listen, he gives him a seminar, and us a seminar, on maybe ways God talks to us. He said this, then he went out into a cave and he spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Maybe there's people that need to hear that. What are you doing here? Not here, but I mean in the situation, in the place that... I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. You can hear the cry of his heart. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass pass by. Then a great and powerful wind, imagine you were there, imagine a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When, when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. Sometimes God speaks to us in the earthquakes of life, doesn't he? Sometimes, I'm not saying he causes those, but he speaks to us in those. Sometimes God speaks to us in the fire of life, in the, in the, in the struggles of life. But, but I, I really believe that God wants to speak to us every single day of our life in a still, small voice, in that gentle whisper, in that time where God just whispers to you and says, go say something encouraging to the, to the waitress. Go talk to that person. Don't, you know, you, you just made a fool of yourself. Go apologize to that, that person, or you're about to speak, don't speak. What you're about to say, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. Or maybe just if you're feeling led to go to a particular place or do a particular thing or, or write a note to somebody or write a text to somebody or do something, you're just feeling this, 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 this tap on your heart, this nudge in your heart, this nudge in your spirit to just do something or to say something or to go someplace or not to go someplace. It's that gentle spirit that, 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 you're, that you're feeling in there. And, and, and also there's another thing. Not only is there the gentle, gentle voice of God, there's also the peace of God. 
You know, the Eagles had a big song that, was, that said, you know, talked about a peaceful, easy feeling. And that's extremely biblical because God says, says this, that he said, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let God's peace rule in your heart. And the actual word there for rule is be an arbitrator or a judge. Uh, Not a judge, but an umpire. So what it's really saying is, is this, that let the peace of God be that umpire to decide what is good and what is bad. We know what an umpire does. An umpire either says, out or safe, right? And so what we're supposed to do is every time something comes, an opportunity, decisions to make, that there's some things that we go in before God and we go, man, this just doesn't feel right. There's not a peace. That's out. But we feel, or other times it goes, just the peace of, yeah, that's okay. Or yes, I want that. And we feel that peace to go, that's safe. That's great. That's do it. Go forward. That's a a, a great thing. And see, there's times in my life that this is a big way God speaks to me is just kind of a peaceometer. I don't know how to say it. Just the time where it's the yes of God. It's the joy of God when I'm making this decision or this decision. It's just the, it just feels like there's a green light here and there's not there, but just that peace. When I look at this one, when I make this decision, it's just, ah, you know, that one just feels right. And, and there's, there's times where, again, in the Bible, there was a, a group of people that were making a decision. They had a big decision to make. And in Acts chapter 15, here's how they made, they made the decision. It said this, They said, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to do this. And I get that. I get that we're just, there's sometimes that just feel good. That decision feels good. Now, I'm not saying every emotion is always of God because our emotions can be everywhere, can't it? But just that yes of God in our heart. We've had several times of big decisions in our church that we, that peace led us in the decision that we were supposed to make. Uh, an example of this would when we were first starting out in the church, we only had 30, 35 people in the church, and we had this opportunity to rent a warehouse space. And this rent house, I mean, the warehouse, it was four bays of a big old warehouse, and we thought, what if we did something crazy, and we did the two middle bays, and we made those into worship space, and we put one side over here, one of the bays, into adults, and one side over here into, into kids. And I remember that the guys got together, and we were praying outside the, that warehouse to know, God, are we supposed to do this or not? And I remember a doctor in our church, one of the foremost surgeons in our in our city, he goes there and he, go, and, he, and, and he goes, I just want to say, this would be the stupidest thing we could ever do. But he said, man, do I have a peace about it. I just feel like this is the right thing that we're supposed to do. And every guy says, I do too. This just feels so right. Even though it seems so crazy, it feels so right. And that's what we did. I remember one time we were in an administrative board meeting a, a, a while back, and, and there was a decision we had to make, and, and we took a vote, and it was like 80%, 20%. I was on the side with the 80%, but it just didn't feel right because we weren't united. There just didn't have, nobody had a piece. Even the people that, that, you know, on the, that, that voted you know, the way that it went, nobody had a piece. So we said, let's go into the, let's go into the sanctuary and let's just pray about that. So we prayed first, to, first by ourselves, and then we prayed together. And every one of us, we just go, we know what we're supposed to do. And the 80% with the 20%, and we all felt great about it and came back united because there was just that, that feeling of, uh, of, of that, of, of what, was, what was good and what, uh, what wasn't good in there. And something, too, is, uh, is if you think about it, shepherds. God describes us as sheep and himself as the shepherd. And a shepherd never drives his sheep. He always leads his sheep, he or she. They're out in front of the sheep. They're not behind it, smacking it or anything like that. They're in front of it, leading. If you ever feel driven instead of led, it's probably not of God. 
If you're ever feeling like you have to make a decision just like this and you're feeling pushed and you're feeling driven into that decision, again, it's probably not from God because God leads with peace. Let the, let the peace of God rule your, rule your heart. God leads us in peace, not drives us with, uh, with other things. The, other, the opposite of what we're talking about there of a peaceful spirit uh, is, is a, a restless spirit where there's something inside of us just going, man, this doesn't feel right. There's just something wrong with us. We get that check in our heart. We get that yucky feeling. We get the, man, this is just the wrong thing to do or the wrong thing to say or the wrong decision. And it can be so many different things. You may not even have a, a reason to do that. It may be something that you are having an opportunity for a job. Or you may have an opportunity for a promotion and, and things. Or you may have a, uh, an opportunity for investment. And on paper, it just looks great. It looks fantastic. But there's something inside of you going, now, man, this just doesn't feel right. There's something wrong ab- about this. Maybe it's to, to, that you're a business person, you're ready to hire somebody, but you just get this check in your spirit. One time we were at an administrative board meeting and we were, we were uh, somebody that looked really good on paper, but we were talking about it and every lady in the, in the team said, you know what, I just have this check in my spirit. I just don't feel right. And how stupid would we be when every lady in the thing's going whoop, 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 and still go ahead with that? We didn't go ahead with that. And I've been around the block enough to realize something that, man, if, uh, if, if ladies are saying stuff, especially your spouse and your mama, you better listen to them because God speaks through them in a, in a big way. Another thing, maybe, maybe it's that you, that you have an opportunity to date someone, that there's this pretty lady and you want to you date her or you, you've been asked out on a date, but there's something inside of you that's just going, it just doesn't feel right. I just don't know what it is, but it just doesn't feel right. And uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's just that you have an opportunity to go someplace and you just, and you're, but, or you like to a party or something this or go to this place or just this, and you're just, there's something in it that just, you have this check, you have this smoke alarm that's going off. Here's the difference, that every one of us, we've had smoke alarms that go off that weren't real, right? We've had smoke alarms that go off in our, in our life that, that, you know, in, in our house, that it's a fire alarm and it goes off in the middle of the night and there's nothing there. It's just the battery going off or something like that. We've had times where the, the alarm in our car went off. We had the times where just alarms go off and it's a false alarm. Understand this, God will never give you a false alarm. If there's an alarm going off, if, there, if, if your spirit is doing backflips in your heart, there's a reason for it. And if you proceed, there's going to be problems with that because that is God's warning us to, to not proceed in the way that we were, we were thinking of, of proceeding. And note something else, too, on this, is note that, there, that we need to distinguish the difference between a check in our spirit and fear, right? And maybe the reason we're saying we, we feel weird about, about going on that date isn't because God's giving us a check in our spirit. It's because we're afraid to date or we're afraid to date again. And it's not God. It's just our own fear that we deal with. Or maybe it's somebody that, you know, going on a mission trip. And it's not God saying not to go on that mission trip. It's our fear because maybe that's, you know, you've never been on a trip. Or you've never flown or you've done things. And, you, and so we need to distinguish between what is a, what is a, a warning from God and what is just our, our fear that's, complete, that's a spirit of fear. Another thing is, uh, is, one thing is sometimes a restless spirit is God telling us to pray. I remember an example of this would be one time I was a, a youth pastor. I was in, in seminary, going to, uh, going to seminary uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I was, uh, I was working as a youth pastor during the summer in Okima, Oklahoma, which is about an hour and a half away. And one night, and I was lived, my apartment in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma was at the corner of 71st and Lewis. That comes into play. 
in this. And suddenly, I, uh, I just had this, this feeling. I had this restless spirit. It was like I was ready to crawl out of my skin. And it just felt like God saying, pray, pray, pray. And I go outside to pray, and I'm like, God, God, you got to tell me what to pray for because I don't know what to pray. I'm feeling like I'm supposed to pray, but I have no clue. And I just felt like, okay, pray in the spirit for a while and then just say, God, you know, and just, just trust God that he's going to answer that prayer. And suddenly, about 30 minutes later, boom, I just felt this release that whatever I was praying for, it was like, it was like a spigot change. It was like, wow, it's done. And so I remember going back inside, and my roommate was watching TV, and, uh, and the first thing it said was, There's a tornado has been spotted at 71st and Lewis in Tulsa. And I remember it was just like God said, that's what you've been praying for, that's what you've been praying for. I, about a week or so later, I was back in Tulsa, and, and my friend was talking. He said, man, that was the weirdest thing. He said, there was a tornado that came here. And he said, I went outside, and there's a tornado heading straight at me. He said, I had nowhere to go. I didn't know what to do. It was heading straight for all the apartments and everything. It was going through a field, and the weirdest thing is it just went straight up in the sky like this, and then it went over my head, and then it went right back into the other field, and it didn't touch one house. And I thought, you know what? That is so God. Yeah, amen. Do you And there may have been a hundred other people that God had praying. Do I believe that God, you know, do I know for sure? No. Do I believe that? Yeah, because I've trusted this enough that if there's an alarm going off in there, there's somebody in our church that I remember was, was driving with her, her husband the other day and said, uh, and she said, she said, man, I just have so-and-so on my mind, on my heart. Can we just pray for, for him right now? And it turns out that exact moment, that person was being rushed to the hospital with a life and death situation, and, and a fantastic thing happened where, where they're, they're fine now. There was something else where, you know, I've had enough, I've been on the receiving and the giving end of that, where there's somebody that comes to your mind, and you pray for that person, and that person's saying, oh, man, I needed it right then so bad. You have no idea. I've had somebody that came up to me one time and said, what were you doing yesterday at 3.30 in the afternoon? And I was like, well, I was, you know, oh, wow. I said, I was just about in an accident. A tractor trailer just about pushed me off the side of the road. He said, man, I had the biggest... He said, I started praying for you right then. You came to mind and started praying. And here's the thing. It may not be God. It may just be our neurons firing on there of, of, of just thinking about the person. But is it going to hurt to pray for them? You know, the worst thing that's going to happen is they're going to get prayer. I mean, I've never had one, you know, person that came up to me and said, you know, I was praying for you yesterday. I never said, well, you wasted your breath because everything was going fine. You know, never said that, right? Because and we never know. But, but if somebody comes to your mind, if there's a restless spirit, somebody comes to your heart, pray for that person. And here's the weird thing. It may be to, to, for, for weeks down the line or months down the line that you're praying for them. Maybe not for that moment. Or they just need, you know, they just need some encouragement at that, at that time. Not maybe a life and death situation. But if somebody comes to your mind, pray for them. Another thing is, is to uh, sometimes rest the spirit uh, is, is God calling us to, to act. Uh, I have several friends that went into the ministry later on in life. They were second career pastors. Many, many of my friends are. And, and here's what happened. They were just doing their thing in, in, in a secular world, and suddenly they felt a call to go into the ministry. They felt a call, and, and some of them fought it and fought it and fought it. And I've had several of them say, I, man, it was like I couldn't think of anything else. It consumed me. It was like I could not be content. I could not be happy until I knew I was doing what I was called to, what I was called to do. I had to answer that call. And maybe it would be like Nehemiah. 
Remember Nehemiah in the Bible, he was, uh, he was the, the cupbearer to Artaxerxes, the king of, uh, of, of Persia. And this is after the, the, the Israelites, they were taken from their homeland, from Jerusalem, was destroyed, and they were put into captivity, into exile. And there was a, the, the Jew, uh, Nehemiah, he, was, he found out from his brother that the walls had been torn down in Jerusalem and hadn't been fixed. And he is consumed with this. He has such a restless spirit. And he starts praying about that, and he, it's still not okay. Okay, just praying about it. And he goes up and he says, man, I've been called to go back and make a difference there. I'm the one that's supposed to go and help rebuild the, the walls. I don't know how many times maybe that you have, you know, you've seen something in this church uh, that, that you go, you know, we need, in, Crossroads needs a, or you know what, we ought to, you know, somebody needs to. And I don't know how many times in ministries have started in this church because somebody just had this burden in their heart and going, you know what this church needs? This church needs a this. And they, there's the, the, the person that's not content until they see something happen. And here's one thing I can guarantee you. God didn't put that restlessness on your heart just so you could point out the problem, right? Criticism is not one of the gifts of the Spirit. God has put you that thing in your heart probably to be one of, part of the answer to make sure that, the, that, that something takes place in there, not just to, be, to point out the, the issue. Where is God, you know, God may be stirring something up for you to pray about. God may be stirring something up for you to take that step and make a difference in that, uh, in that area. Another thing is, uh, is open and closed doors. God speaks to us through open and closed doors. And here's one example. This is wild that happened in, uh, in the, the life of Paul in Acts chapter 15. He has a door closed and he has a door slam, put, put wide open. And watch, watch this in just five, four verses. Both of them happen. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. What? I mean, here they're planning on preaching in Asia, preaching the word of God, and God tells them no. How about that? Kind of wild, huh? God closes a door, even though that's what their plan was. God said, no, I don't want you to do that. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to, to, to enter Bithynia, uh, but the Spirit of God would not allow them to. to. So they passed by Messiah and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision, another way God speaks to us, of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Did you understand what God was doing? God said, no, I don't want you to preach in Asia at this place because I've got you over here. I know which is most strategic. I know the best use of your time. I know the best use of what it is, and it's over here. So I'm closing this door in your life right now so I can open this door where you will have an even more effective ministry. You know, I understand that too. I, uh, when I was going into, into the ministry, that I, I had planned on going back to Colorado to be a pastor in, in Colorado. And I was going through the ordination process of doing that. The ordination process is not for the faint of heart in, the, in this church. It is where you have to go before committee after committee. You have to do all these papers. You have to present things. You have to, to do this. You have to do sermons that people critique. You have to do all these things. And, and I was going through that, uh, through that or, ordination process in that context conference. But then my cousin, who's uh, from, from Ashboro, she calls me up and she says, my pastor's going to go up to your seminary and he's kind of doing a recruiting trip. Will you go meet with him? And I said, you know, it's finals week. I really don't have time. She said, will you do it for me? I said, 
All right, I'll do it for you. But I loved what he was talking about and just what God was doing in this, uh, in this area, in this conference. And again, so I started applying in this area as, as well. And it was like, God, I don't know which one to do here. I don't know what, what I'm supposed to do. I feel to, to led to do both of those. Well, I, I go before the, the board on this one, and, and there were 27 other people, 26 other people with me that were going for it in ordination in this conference. Well, they f- tell us at, after we're all there, they tell us only, they're going to accept only one out of 27 applicants, and it had to be an ethnic female. And I'm not either one of those. So it was, so th- it was like this door just closed. Now, there were 26 other people that said that they didn't know where they were going to go. Well, I had this one over here, and I'm going, and it was like God just, just slammed a door over here. And what usually takes a year over, over here to do, going before the district boards and the conference boards and the psychologicals and all that, God did within 24 hours. So it was like God slammed a door here and chucked me through a door over, over here. And I'm very thankful he did. I'm so thankful that God slammed a door. And here's the thing. Have you ever had God slam a door and it broke your heart? You know, or maybe you, you really wanted to date someone or marry somebody or you wanted something over here or maybe you really wanted this job, you wanted to live here or whatever it is and God closed the door and it broke your heart but then you, years later as you look back, something else happened over here and you actually go, oh God, thank you for no over here. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the no over here so you could have the yes over here. God loves us enough to close doors when he has something better for us. He will never jip his people. He will never give you close the door unless he has something better for you and better for, uh, for others. Another, uh, oh, but know this too, is know that, that, that sometimes it's not God closing a door, sometimes it's Satan going, going after, Right? Because the same thing, the same person, Paul, watch what happened to him when he wrote to the Thessalonians. He said this, but, uh, but brothers and sisters, when we were torn away from you for a short time in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing to, uh, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but, don't miss this, Satan stopped us. In that case, it wasn't God closed the door. It was Satan that buffeted them and that kept them from being effective in ministry. And I guarantee you, you try to do anything for God, anything for God, and and you will face satanic opposition. You will know what spiritual warfare is because there really is a Satan who really has spiritual warfare against you. And anytime you do, what we have to do is we have to decide, God, is this you closing a door or is this satanic opposition against me, me doing something? Is this satanic opposition against my family? Is this satanic opposition? against that job? Is this satanic opposition against that ministry? And I guarantee you one thing too, Satan will open doors for you too. Maybe you're at work and all of a sudden that pretty girl, she comes up to you and she starts talking and she starts flirting with you and God, and Satan's going to open doors where you guys are together and Satan's, and you better know that that's that satanic door open so you can close that. We need to know what is God's opening and closing doors and what is Satan opening and closing doors. That's why it's so important to hear from him. And here's one way to find out. He will, God will never contradict his word. If it is something that contradicts God's word, you can guarantee that Satan opening a door or closing a door, not God doing it. Another thing that we, that were led from him is, is through wisdom. The Bible says this, be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. God is saying that one big way that he's given us in order to, to, to lead us is, is wisdom. He's given us a brain and he expects us to use it. Sometimes we don't have to have a chapter and verse. God's already made it clear just in the wisdom his he's given us to say this is good, this is bad, that we can understand that. 
Uh, Proverbs is a great book about wisdom, and the whole book is talking about this is wise, this isn't. And it's a book that, that talks about finances, this is wise, this isn't. It's a book about relationships, this is wise, this isn't. I recommend you do something. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. That's one for every day. Whatever else you read, whatever other devotions you have that, that day in the, in the Bible, read one chapter of, uh, of Proverbs and just go over them and over and over them, one, one a week, I mean, one a day for, the, for every month. And it says this in Proverbs, my son and daughter, my precious child, if you accept my words and store up my commandments within you, turning your ear to wisdom, do you hear that? Listening to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. And if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as if it was hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord, or, or that's real respect for God, and find the knowledge of God. In other words, if we apply ourselves to wisdom, we're going to find out what God wants us to do. Um, for the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds victory. Don't you want victory? He holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the, the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good plan. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. And God is saying this. If we want to live up our, uh, the commands and principles of God, wisdom will help us do that. If you want to know where God is taking, if you want to be led by God, wisdom will help you make those decisions. And wisdom will ask you, have you ask these questions. What is the smartest thing to do in light of my past? In, the, in light of my past, what's the smartest thing to do? The other thing, in light of my present situation, what is the smartest thing to do? And in light of me wanting to do for, for my future, what is the light, because of my dreams and my hopes for my future, what is the smartest thing, what is the wisest thing for me to do? An example of that would be this. There's several people in this church, there's several people listening to, to me right now, that you've made a decision never to drink. And it's not because you think it's, it's unbiblical or in, in, uh, drinking in moderation. It's because this. Some of you have, have battled alcohol, uh, alcoholism, and, and you, you realize you are an alcoholic, and you don't even want to touch that. You don't want to go near it. You don't want to make that something that can happen again. Based on what you've done before, you don't want to make the, the unwise decision. Maybe it's your, your, your parents or something have made, you know, you saw that, and you don't want to follow in their, in their footsteps. One person said this. One person said, I know that I have a compulsive personality, and I don't want to open that door because I don't know where it would lead. If I may take a, a drink, it may, I don't know where it will stop. And so that's saying, based on my, on my past, I'm going to do something wise in my present. There's going to be, you know, and there's other people that, that maybe you're saying that, uh, you know, you want, to be, you want to be financially secure. What's the wisest thing to do? In light of that, in light of your future dreams, what is it that you want to do? Maybe you want to get out of debt. You don't want to get in debt. You want to have the principles of, of God's finances in there. You want, to, you want to spend less money than you, than you make. You want to save money. Those are just wise principles that you find in the Word of God, and that's, that's wisdom. In light of what I want in the future, I have to make some decisions in the present. Maybe you're, uh, you want to live a long, healthy life. You want to be healthy, but that means being wise in the decisions you make about, about eating now or about exercise uh, now. We can have a lot of different decisions on, on those. Maybe it's, you know, my brother was a cocaine addict, and my brother, um, and I could look at my brother and I could say, you know what, I've watched what he's done in our family. I've watched how he destroyed his life, and I've watched how he's hurt our family's life. 
And the wisest thing for me to do is not to follow in his footsteps. The wisest thing for me to do is stay away from that because I see what it does. You know, a few uh, nights ago, we were watching a, something that was on YouTube, and it had a mousetrap, a really easy mousetrap, but it had, what it had was, was just a small bowl that was filled with water with oil in it. And the mice would come up, they had pictures of it, and, you know, films of it, and the, the mice would come up, and they'd look in, and because of the oil, they'd fall in it. And then the one mouse is just doing this, and the other mouse comes up, and he looks in too, and he bends over, and he falls in it. And this happened like six or seven times. There's six or seven mice in there. And you would think that one of those mice would, go, would lean over and go, I don't want anything to do with that, man. I want to stay away from that. But instead, they keep going. They think they're the ones that isn't going to affect, going to affect them, even though the others are trapped in there. They're not going to be trapped in there. And how many times do we do that? Do we see people who are ruining their life in decisions they make, and then we have that choice. We can, we're on that pericope, and we can either go, and we can either go, okay, it's not going to affect me. It's affected everybody else. And we can go in or we can say, you know what? I'm just staying away from that oil and water in this, uh, in this case. Another thing is um, there's some, you know, I've had, uh, I've had girls in youth groups when I was a youth pastor or in young adults, ladies. And it seems like it's ladies more than, uh, more than guys on this. And they've said this. All of a sudden, they are on fire for God. They're, they're excited about God and what God's doing in their life. And so they come up, there's some, there, but there's also that uneasy feeling that they're going, the guys they're dating right now, they don't have the same beliefs. They don't have the same passion as they do. And I've had them do something. I've had them write and say, here's the things I want you to do. Write the things that are most important in your life for, the, for your future spouse. What are the things that you say, I'm not negotiating this. These are the most important things. And they brought back the next day, every single one, these are at different times, and every one of them brought back a list and at the top of their list every time said, I want a man of God. I want a man who sold out for Jesus Christ. I want a man who will be the spiritual leader of our home and who will be the spiritual leader of our children. Every single one of them, that was number one. And I said, okay, the wisest thing, if, what is God saying through the list that you just did? One of them got mad and said, you knew what was going to happen, didn't you? They said this, you know, I see the wisest thing I can do is I'm wanting this, but I'm taking steps in a totally different direction, and I need to make some corrections on, on that. So sometimes God gives us... Uh, you know, some, uh, some wisdom even in, uh, in that of if I have my future j- dreams, I need to do something right now. And, and time out too is this. God will lead you in ways that doesn't make sense a lot of times, that, that, that goes completely against wisdom. I mean, it wasn't wisdom that told David to go out and face a, a nine foot six inch giant. Wisdom had nothing to do with that. A passion for the living God and a zeal for the living God did. It wasn't wisdom that told Joshua to walk seven times around Jericho. That's not wise. That's stupid. Unless God tells you to do it. And it, it wasn't wisdom that it wasn't wisdom that told Peter to to launch out in the deep in the middle of the day in the Sea of Galilee to fish. Because you don't fish in the middle of the day in the, in the deep, in the Sea of Galilee. You do it at nighttime in the shallows. But it wasn't wisdom that did that, but it, but it wasn't wisdom that made him catch the miraculous catch of fish. It wasn't wisdom that told Peter to, to get out of a perfectly good boat in a storm and try to walk on water. Here's the thing. God will tell you to do stuff that doesn't make any sense. Starting, leaving everything that we had to start crossroads made no sense whatsoever. Wisdom had nothing to do with that. The call of God had everything to do with that. And God will call you to things, will call you to do things that make no sense whatsoever. Always follow the call of God, even if it goes against wisdom. But usually, wisdom will guide and direct us. And finally for today is the example of Jesus Christ. There's a great, great question that became cliche a few, a few years ago because of bracelets and everything like that, but it's still a great question. And that's the question of what would Jesus do? 
Because most of the ways that we, questions that we have about how to treat our, our family, how to treat other people, what to do in life, is really asking the question, what would Jesus do? And then we go ahead and do that. Because if you see Jesus doing it, that's what God wants you to do as well. But how will you know what Jesus did unless you get in the word of God and say, okay, this is what he did. And this is, this is his heart. This is what he's like. This is that. And so we'll never, go, we'll never go wrong if we just follow in the footsteps of Jesus. If you have a decision, somebody hurts you at work, somebody does something stupid, okay, what should I do? I should follow in the steps of Jesus and forgive that person. If I see a need, I have compassion on that situation. Whatever Jesus would do, that's the decision that we should make. And here's the prayer. As we just start out today, maybe some of you have heard the, the audible word of God, but others of us, I bet we've done this. I bet we've heard that inner voice that said, you know, go this direction do that. Ask this. Don't say this. Say this. And those questions are just God tapping on your shoulder. That's, and do I know that's God for you every time? No. But I bet it is a lot more than we think it is because God loves. I wake up every day and I say, I, I ask, I pray, God, Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me in everything I say, everything I do today. So if I pray that prayer, don't I think he's actually going to answer that and really do that in, in ways? And he may not scream it from the housetops. But, but that inner thing, that, and the more you do it, the more you trust that inner, t- inner touch of, of your heart. There's another thing that, that understand that God leads through peace. Let the peace of God direct you. If there's a restless spirit, find out why. Why is that? Is that, is that fear inside your heart or is that God giving you a warning? There's open and closed doors. God will close doors in your life because he loves you and, care and wants you to have something, something better. But there's sometimes Satan will try to close doors that's totally against what God wants to do. And we need to know the difference. We need to know when to pray and bind. And we need to know when we walk in obedience to, uh, to God. But there is a God who wants to guide us. And Jesus asked this question time and time again in the Gospels. Are you listening? Really listening? And that's what I pray. I pray we're just open and going, God, every way, any way you want to talk to me, I am open to hear that. I want to hear. I'm listening. I'm really listening. And if we can pray. God, thank you so much for being a God who is not silent, but is a God who loves to talk to his people. And Lord God, we want to hear from you. We, there's, in every area of our life, we need to hear from you. Because we don't, God, we'll just be honest, we don't know what we're doing. But you do. You know where we're going. You know what is best. You know every decision. Thank you for giving us wisdom. Help us to be wise. And help us to know when you're directing us to something that doesn't even make sense in life. But it's you doing us. So God, guide and direct us in Jesus' name. Amen. The altar is open. There's going to be people down here wanting to pray for you. If you and maybe you just need, you have a big decision. Maybe somebody you're watching online right now, you have a big decision to make. Let, uh, let God's people pray for you.